0: It's been said that nothing is more financially educational and entertaining than the total financial hour. Except, possibly, two total financial hours. <gasps> you don't mean... Yep. The total financial hour with host of Hallaby is now two hours. Sundays, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m.
1: Oh, my gosh. Great Scott! Learn
0: about your financial power. The total financial hour. Uh, two hours. With host of Hallaby. Sundays, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Here on AM870, The Answer.
1: Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, total financial power. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halapy.
0: Learn about Hey, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. I'm Eric Hallaby. Appreciate you being with me this this time of day as we talk about, my word, your family's finances, getting out of debt, managing money, planning for your future. Across the country, there's an impact. It's like a wave, a tidal wave, right? There's an earthquake off of Hawaii, and the west coast of the United States kind of sets their watch. They know that there could be, could be a tidal wave coming our way. Could be a tidal surge, could be huge, could be small. We don't know. Well, what is that tidal wave that is sweeping across the country. Some like it, and some don't. It's the complete dysfunction in the state of California. (laughs) If you've heard my show more than, oh, I don't know, five minutes, you've heard me reference it countless times, that there's uh, 2,200 people a day, a day, over 2,000 people per day, let's be clear on that, that leave the state of California. And people say, but yeah, people are moving in all the time, house prices. Yes, they are. You have the super poor and you have the mega rich. You have a shuffling of the deck, right? You sell your house on the west side and you move to the valley. You sell your house in the north and you move to the south. That happens, of course. But this this shifting of the deck, this tidal wave that's occurring, that's sweeping across this country. Ask people in Florida, Tennessee, Idaho, Utah. Ask them. If their house prices are different because of Californians selling their homes, in some cases for 50, 60, $100,000 more than asking and walking in with cash to buy a house. It's happening. As this tidal wave is approaching, there's people that are trying to fix the state, trying to stem the tide, lock the door, you know, make things a little bit more friendly to stay as businesses are leaving. Yes, it affects you. We have listeners in in multiple states and yes, it affects you. It doesn't matter where you are because Californians are moving. Now, the biggest problems, and you've heard me say this before, do not under any circumstances allow them to get a foothold politically in your state. All you have to do is turn on the news and watch the school board meetings. They're listening. You guys are listening. I'm telling you, if you're retired, if you want a purpose, if you want something to do, Get into the political world. I know you never thought you were going to. You were an engineer or a school teacher. You're a retired plumber. I get it. You were expected to have a normal life. Maybe God had other plans for you. And it said, maybe your job is to get in and make sure that your local communities are not poisoned by the political leftists that are coming from California. Now, look. Uh, I'm okay with. The, uh, I sometimes will describe myself as a political refugee. Right? If I'm if I'm visiting somewhere, if I'm moving somewhere, I, I say, "Listen, yeah, I'm a political refugee." They go, "What?" I go, "Yeah, I'm not welcomed anymore. I'm chased out. They don't let me eat at restaurants. They don't let me go to go to movies. They they don't let me work, do business. Forget it. California is a dictatorial place. So you have to get You have to get involved." Let me do a couple things here. You've heard us talk about reliable retirement income. That's what we do. Total Financial Solutions, TFS, Financial Insurance Services. I want to give you our number. It's 888-99-RETIRE, 888-997-3847. That's 888-99-RETIRE. It's important you keep that handy. And here's why, because we have a guest coming in in just a second, who is the epitome of somebody getting involved. Somebody stepping outside of the comfort zone of, quote, retirement, sitting on the dock and fishing, right? (laughs) Maybe just things are going to be a little bit different because you and your family need to step up. And wouldn't it be better to push back against the the progressives that want to get on your city council, school board, water board, library meeting, you're right. Some of of these boards and, and groups do not let them get a foothold. PTA presidents, no thank you. Listen, I'm not saying Democrats. There are liberals and Democrats across the country. I met one in in southern Utah the other day. She's the wife of a physician. Definitely more left-leaning. But she's not progressive. She's not a wacky like some of these people. Reasons of people leaving California. I'm going to touch on a couple of them, and then we're going to bring on our guests. California scored 45th out of 50 on the nation's report card for public school test scores. And we spend half of our budget on education. In fact, it's codified in law that we have to spend 40% of our budget on education. And yet we go way above and beyond. Thank you, school unions, teacher unions. And we still can't get above 45th place. Second highest gas tax in the country. Five and six dollar gallon gas is normal now across Southern California in Northern California. And even if you drive an electric car, right? Some of you feel like you got suckered into some of these things, right? But electric car, carpool lane, yay! Give me money from the government, yay! I don't have to pay gas, haha! No gas tax, yay! Free electricity, free, free, I'll take free, give me free. We jump in line to that, and all of you, you baited and hooked, and and they reeled you in. I'm not saying electric cars are are bad or good. I'm saying you bought it for the reason, thinking something, and then ah. Oh, Hey, now you have a special assessment on your car registration. Now they're charging you $100 a year. It's to offset your gas taxes because, you know, we've already spent your money and uh, there's just too many of you driving electric cars. So now we're going to charge you extra money for the electric car for gas. What? And raise your hand if you think it's going to stay at $100 a year. Not. Right? I'll give you one more as I bring in our special guest. Even though... Even though California continually raises taxes on the wealthy, wealthy are evil, forget it that they employ people, forget it that they spend it. Where does their money go? Right? You understand that the taxes on the wealthy in the state of California are off the charts. And so they leave. I mean, you get it? They leave. Because they can. They have the money to leave. Wealthiest in the state of California. So what do wealthy people do with their money? Well, let's look at a couple of options. They take it and they buy a business up. They've employed people. They've created a product or a service. Oh, no, no. Some of you say they hoard it. Oh, yeah, that's right. They buy stocks and bonds. Hey, guess where your pension is invested? Yeah. Stocks and bonds. Yeah. Oh, 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 wait. They buy real estate. Those those son of a guns. They hoard it and they buy real estate. Oh, guess where you live? Where you go to shop? Your business is located. Yep. in real estate. So you can get mad at rich people or you can go to your little, uh, you know, magic Google device and put in, how do I get rich or how do I run a business, how to become, you know, an entrepreneur and on and on because anything you want to know is now free. See, knowledge and wisdom, they don't, go, uh, they don't grow about the same like they used to, right? Wisdom and knowledge, they would grow at about the same rate. Today, a four-year-old can tell you anything, knowledge. Wisdom lacking. A 30-year-old, even less wisdom usually, but somebody who's lived through this, both with wisdom, experience, and a life, life experience, I want to introduce Mr. David Lozano. Dave Lozano and I have been friends for quite a long time, so I guess, what do you call that? Uh, fair warning, public disclosure. <laughs> We've known each other 25 years. Dave Lozano, if you paid attention to the recall California governor election, he was one of the candidates running. And uh, has a, a very storied past. It'd be interesting if he would share some of that. Dave Lozano,
2: welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Arif. Uh, and uh, Arif is correct. Uh, Arif and I go way back. Uh, <laughs> I would say uh, too long. Uh, know, right? We have a, uh, a storied past, I might say, and uh, a good one, actually. Uh, we, uh, we'll get into that, I hope. Well, tell me, you, you started running... You ran for governor. This came from nowhere. But what did you do? I don't know. What did you do first? Well, my dream uh, as a kid was always to be a cop. I mean, my dream was uh, was always, always to wear that badge and and tote that gun and to be out there helping the society and uh, racing those police cars around and, and uh, go after bad guys and the whole bit. And sure enough, I... I worked my way up, and, and certainly uh, I became an L.A. County Sheriff and uh, got out there on the streets of Los Angeles. Actually, I decided to choose uh, one of the more dangerous spots in Los Angeles. I, I chose to work out in uh, South Central Los Angeles in, in Watts, in uh, Lennox, actually, and, uh, uh, and uh, worked out there for years, uh, worked out with the Crips and the Blood.
0: Street gangs, I remember that was a really tough time. It was probably thirty five or so years ago it was yes, and uh, we had crime was very similar to what it is now uh,
2: it is I, I I actually give a lot of uh a lot of my experience and such uh to the fact that uh, now you were with l a p d now uh we're going to talk about that a little bit uh, the differences and such but the the main difference of course i don't know if a lot of people know this, but uh uh, the difference between uh, city police officers and sheriffs is the number one big difference is, is that when you graduate from the sheriff's academy, the sheriff, the a, a sheriff goes right into the jail system. And uh, we must first put in one or two years uh, in our jail systems, uh, obviously. Um, uh uh, I worked IRC, Inmate Reception Center, the main men's main central jail. I worked um, Biscaloo Center, Civil Brand Institute, which is the women's jail. I worked um, the 13th floor jail ward at the USC Medical Center, uh, where the criminals come in if they're injured. Now, I've been there a few times. <laughs> yeah, there you Because <laughs> that's the same place. All
0: city agencies across the county will bring their uh, prisoners that are injured or, or seeking medical attention while they're in custody to the 13th floor Uh, down at the
2: Biscoe. Exactly. All cities, all city agencies. So certainly I saw LAPD bring them in, uh, uh, Monterey Park, uh, Santa Monica, everybody. everybody. So
0: across uh, this board, though, Dave, this is pretty important. At one point, you decided to make a change into... being an
2: attorney? Exactly. Um, I worked all different types of uh, jobs, and one of them was I was actually a professional sommelier. It was a restaurateur. I was a professional sommelier kind of secretly because of the sheriff's department, you're not supposed to intermingle uh, alcohol and stuff with your job. But secretly, I had a, a great interest in wine and the knowledge of wine. And I, as a habit, I developed this just great interest in, in wine. And so I I developed uh, this talent in becoming a sommelier. So I was working the restaurant industry, uh, and I was actually the sommelier for a restaurant out uh, in Palos Verdes. And I was actually going to leave the sheriff's department uh, to get a degree in oenology at uh, at one of the universities. But then I got this idea to go uh, work over in France first, work the vineyards, and uh, then I decided, well, wait a minute, um, maybe I should go travel the world. And see what that's all about. And one thing led to another. And so I decided to actually leave the sheriff's department and seek jobs around the world to get a kind of a worldly experience. And that led to all types of adventures.
0: Yeah, up to and including uh, as a scuba professional. I remember yes. that. That was kind of fun.
2: <laughs> worked at Club Med. That was exciting. That that was exciting. Actually, there's a real story to that. I'll try to make it short. Here's the, here's the situation. I knew if I was going to travel and work all over the world that I would need money and I would need contacts. So here's what I did. Um, I actually uh, realized that um, by working at Club Med, which was an international resort, which they had 150 resorts all over the world, I could actually first invest by working for the club for one year. I worked in Martinique Island and then over to, for six months then to Cancun. But the idea, by working as a scuba diving instructor for the club, I could actually uh, meet the guests. There was, oh, gosh, 3,000 guests that would arrive at the club each week. And by working at the club, by meeting the guests, I could uh, obviously uh, bond with these guests. And they would, by the end of the week, we would have this friendship, this relationship, and they would hopefully invite me to come uh, and visit them if I ever got uh, uh Their way into their country or whatever, and so they would uh give me their address and phone number and stuff and invite me to their to visit them by the end of the that year, I had over seven hundred addresses from people all over the world and then after that one year, I came back home and I purchased an around the world airline ticket now, back then, and they still have it today it was only twenty five hundred dollars for one ticket. For around the world, you can go anywhere around the world you wish and get on and off the plane as many times as you wish. As long as you go one way around the world, you can't go backwards. You have to make a forward momentum around the world, go up and down. And that's how you get on and off whenever you wish and just get on and off the plane whenever you want to. And as I, got, as I traveled around the world, I would just get off the plane, just look at my address book, and just contact anyone in my addresses and just knock on the door, so to speak, or call them up and say, hey, I've just <laughs> arrived in, in your country. Would you mind putting me up for a day or two? And, of course, everybody did. And that's how I travel around the world basically for free.
0: Amazing. So when you think about this, and then, folks, just so you know, sometimes we do our travel show. Uh, it's one of my favorite things to do. It's certainly an avocation of mine. But our travel show what we talk about around the world tickets. And right now it's around $3,000. It's not 3,500. Yeah. It's not that much more anymore. Yeah. And you just go East or West. You, as long as you go uh, in the same direction, when you get on the plane, you have to continue. Now you can get off, drive and go, you know, go three hours North and then come back South or you can do whatever you'd like. The reason this is important is because this shows how you're thinking outside the box, right? The average person at that time says, I'm going to live life differently. And you change now, fast forward into law school.
2: Right. What happened was uh, when I got back, uh, uh, my idea was to go work for the Secret Service. So I applied for the Secret Service. And with my my background, I had a perfect background with the Sheriff's Department. So I thought I would get uh, hired right away. In the meantime, uh, I had one of my best friends was working for the CIA. And uh, he said, Dave, you better have a backup plan because the federal government takes a long time to actually hire you. And I said, no, no, no. I said, don't worry. I said, they're going to hire me. They're, they're going to see my background and they're going to hire me in two seconds. <laughs> Do they know who I am? <laughs> yeah. And, and I say, he said, no, 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 you better have a back, you know, backup plan. And of course, he actually was expecting to get a, a foreign assignment as soon as he graduated from the CIA Academy. And of course, he didn't get, that assignment. He got a domestic assignment, so he was upset and he decided to go to law school at night. So he said, Dave, do what I'm doing. He said, go to law school. I said, oh, law school. I said, no way. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait. I, I'll get, I know I'll get called. Well, month after month after month passed. <laughs> I didn't get called. And I said, okay give me this law school uh, gig, you know, tell me what what this is all about. And so he, he explained what was going on. So sure enough, I took the LSATs, did, did pretty good on that. I sent off my applications and uh, uh, got picked up by University of Bridgeport in Connecticut. And, of course, off I went. I actually uh, got called in uh, by the uh, Secret Service, um, by the director in the Los Angeles uh, division. He actually called me in. Uh, and when he called me in, he said uh, – uh, Mitchell Lozano, he goes, you know, have a seat, come in. And, I, of course, I thought I was getting called in uh, yeah, to, to start hired. the academy. And he said, uh, look, he goes, i got some good news and some bad news. And I said, well, what's the good news? And he says, you were the number one candidate in the nation um, for this hiring cycle. And I said, great. And I said, what's the bad news? And he says, we can't hire you. And I said, why not? And he goes, two reasons. He goes, first, you've already shown a propensity to leave a government agency after being hired. And I go, what? And he goes, yeah, because, you know, the the L.A. County Sheriff's Department hired you. And he said, "Um, uh, and then you left after being hired and trained and worked for them for years. And, you know, and the you know, we're concerned that if you went with the Secret Service that, you know, that uh, you might leave us. And I said, well, you know, what do you mean? And he goes, he goes, you may not know this. He says, but the Secret Service has the number one turnover rate than any other federal agency. Sure does. And he says, he goes, look, he goes, let me be honest with you. He goes, he goes, you have an incredible background. He says, he goes, first, he goes, we we have, he goes, you got to understand. He goes, all these private security agencies from all over the world come after our agents and offer them the world. He goes, you've got to understand who you are. He says, not only are you, you know, have a degree and your background and everything else. He goes, you have the training from the LA County Sheriff's Department and you've worked the streets. He goes, you have more training than any of our other agents. He says, plus you've traveled all over the world. He goes, he goes these private agencies would come after you and offer you the world than, than, any, than what we can offer anybody else. He says, you'll be snatched up in two minutes. And he said, what's the other reason? He said, you said there were two reasons why. And he says, oh, yeah. He goes, you, he goes we checked your background and where you traveled. He goes, you traveled, you know, in Yugoslavia, Czechoslovakia, yeah. China. He goes, you know, can you imagine if, if, if uh, we actually hired you and uh, you you ended up, uh, we not you know, we didn't know – your real background and you took out, you know, some of these people. If we yeah. put you in charge mm-hmm. of something big and the news agencies got after us and say, how did you not know this guy's background? And this and that, he goes, they'd be all over us. He says, he says, but I felt compelled to bring you in here personally and tell you cause you're, you know, you're a past LA County Sheriff. So I felt compelled since we work with the LA County Sheriffs every day uh, that I really wanted to come in and just tell you face to face what that was really going on. I said, oh, I really appreciate that. And the next day, of course, uh, law school calls and says, we have a spot for you. So when you finish law school, you, you start to
0: specialize in bankruptcy. Now, well, that took a little while. So let's jump to that for the sake of time. Sure. Because I want to spend the second half on your ideas for governorship. So we have a few minutes here, just a couple minutes. Tell me how you got through the bankruptcy thing, because what I'm impressed about is that became part of your passion, was to help people from this predatory lending These same credit card companies that Joe Biden has been supporting for years. He's been their internal shill. Guys, look it up. You're going to see Joe Biden was the mouthpiece for all of these credit card companies. And you were on the other side
2: battling them and and kind of helping them get some justice. Well, every day I'm in federal court and I'm basically saving people's uh, lives through, uh, you know, uh, restructuring their finances, uh, businesses from shutting down. And the number one thing is saving people's homes from foreclosure. I mean, I deal with mortgage lenders from throughout the country every single day, restructuring their mortgage loans stopping these predatory mortgage lenders. And, you know, this is an everyday occurrence for my law firm. And, you know, in dealing with these mortgage lenders and looking, you know, at these mortgage loans and how they're structured, and especially over the last 10, 15 years, you know, seeing exactly what is going on behind the scenes with how these contracts are structured and the way that they that they twist these loans is just, just incredible, which goes into my Uh, uh, intermingles actually with my whole homelessness program and what I'm going to be explaining to you here in a little bit as to part of the recovery of both the homeless and what I'm going to be offering within that homeless program with uh, affordable housing. Because you've got into, by looking across the board and seeing
0: The pain that a lot of these predatory lenders, a lot of these organizations across the country have really gone after people. Look, guys, you know that I hold you accountable. I hold you accountable for the decisions you make, especially today, where there's information that's out there. But sometimes you don't ever understand. Look, who writes these contracts, right? Who writes the contracts uh, for credit card companies? You, your lawyer, or them? Who writes the contracts when you go buy a mortgage loan? You or them? Right, You're not an attorney. You do what you do. And if you wanted a loan, you have to buy, you have to sign here. Oh, you don't want the house? Then be careful. Tough luck. You don't get it. So be very careful when you're trying to sign this stuff, right? So I want to get into this in just a second. You ended your your career as an attorney, but across the board, there was a big change. Bankruptcy law, federal law started changing. And you got involved in that to help... Our clients and many others across the country that were creditors, right? Some of us, I, I've been a creditor before in, in bankruptcy side, where somebody I get a letter in the mail and he says, "Tough luck, I'm not paying you." I'm like, "What? I didn't know you could do that." So that happens. So you're helped on both sides of that. Tell me a little bit briefly about that 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 side of things.
2: Well, I, I, the, the the fact of the matter is is that is that um, well. I, Give me a little more clarity, because I'm not exactly sure what you're... So,
0: the bankruptcy law changed.
2: Right, exactly,
0: in 2005. That's right, 2005. You and your firm were involved a little bit in helping to teach uh, bankruptcy judges, uh, maybe even IRS agents, if I remember correctly. Right, the evolution of it, right. That's right. So, as that began to happen... Why did they seek your advice and your counsel and your guidance as this law, this 2005 new bankruptcy change began to... to
2: Well, okay, okay. Right, exactly. Well, for years, for years, the bankruptcy law was solid and truthfully, it was leaning in the favor of the debtors for for all the so-called history up to that point, up to 2005. But for 15 years prior to that... Uh, The creditors were pounding Congress to change it to favor the creditors. And literally overnight, to everyone's surprise, Congress, uh, uh, the creditors finally um, got Congress to change those laws. And now literally we woke up one day and found that the laws had changed overnight. And and, uh, and it was the laws were now cha- favoring the creditors. Well, and you were involved in making sure
0: from a federal standpoint, there was fairness. And I really appreciate that. When we come back, guys, why is David Lozano? Why did he run for governor? What is what's his vision? Why is there a passion for homelessness? I'm Eric Halliby, triple eight, ninety nine, retire. That's eight, 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 nine, nine, seven, three, eight, four, seven. Stay with me. We'll be right back in the total financial hour. Eric Halliby.
1: About financial power, the total financial hour. Now Arab has a plan for me, higher income strategy. I'll retire comfortably. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour strategy. learn from Arab hey welcome back
0: thanks for staying thanks for being with me
1: Arif Halaby, the
0: total financial hour total financial solutions TFS financial insurance services we're here every week at this time and our goal is to kind of bring you concepts and ideas uh, look sometimes California is that tidal wave it sweeps across the country you have seen it in your real estate prices in the traffic. You have seen it in the gas prices. Uh, As they say, what California does, soon the rest of the country does. It's why I'm telling you that you have to stand firm. We have listeners all throughout the Western United States. You guys have to stand firm. Do not let progressive, liberal California Democrats come into your city. I I wish it wasn't this way. I wish we could say, well, give them a hug. They have a couple of good ideas. No, they don't. Not anymore. I'm not talking about Democrats or liberals Right. Free speech. If you're a free speech person today, you're not welcome in the progressive party. Just so you know, you only have one home. It's called the Republican Party. I'm not saying Republicans are perfect by no means. Are they? I have a long list of things, especially California Republicans. Right. In name only. I have friends there. I I don't know. Maybe the answer is they're just weak. or They're afraid. They like the job. They want the pension. They like the connections, the power. I don't know what it is, but they're certainly not making a difference. And it's pretty sad. Right. Because they're getting paid to do so. And they're sitting on their, on their hands and they, you know, they sit there and slap each other on the back and you did a good job. No, you did a good job. You're great. No, you're great. Oh my gosh, you're great. And they sit in this little circle and they talk about each other. Meanwhile, the state dies. Since 2007, the number of children living in poverty in the state of California has been increasing. Here's another one. The state of California has the lowest number of emergency departments per capita in any state. That means they are receiving an F in the access to emergency care report card. Can you say what? This is really important. You have to understand that California needs to get itself together. Maybe it has to file bankruptcy. I'm telling you it does. Now it's going to be called something different, default or whatever. Maybe we'll get a chance to talk to Dave about uh, about that as Dave Lozano is my guest. Retired bankruptcy attorney, former, I don't know if you'd say he kind of helped craft, if you will, put together the bankruptcy plan uh, in 2005 for the, for the federal government was part of that rollout, that education, to make sure consumers themselves were taken care of and cared for. Across the board, as an L.A. County uh, deputy for many years, helped protect, saw homelessness from the up-close row one, if you will. Seat A, row one. What did he do? Well, Dave, I'd like to find out you have a passion for homelessness to fix that. You think that's the scourge of the community. We used to call it the broken window theory in law enforcement. It might have been Rudy Giuliani or somebody back in New York that came up with it, where if a building had one broken window, in no time it would have a bunch of broken windows. If an alley had a, one abandoned couch or a mattress, very soon it became the dump spot for everybody. Meaning as soon as you saw a little graffiti or some uh, a broken window, you fixed it right away. And you kept the community from going into decay. Well, it seems like when we were both on the streets in the 80s and 90s, we'd look back. And what would happen is if you were arrested in Illinois or Kentucky, or if you got in trouble in Michigan, you had a choice. This is your eighth time, Mr. Jones, you're going to jail, or here's a one-way Greyhound bus ticket. Don't get off until you see the city Santa Monica. Hmm. And that's what they did. (laughs) They would put him on the bus because I'd say, oh, my gosh, here's a homeless guy from... From Chicago, how in the daylights did he get here to West L.A.? And he would tell us the story. You're like, no, nah, that can't be true. And over and over and over. And so what happened was that was one broken window. People said, oh, California is great. They're welcoming homeless people. They feed them on city hall lawn. They, uh, they don't mind you uh, sitting on the streets, begging on the, on the side of road. But mental illness started coming into this. And we started seeing that kind of bleeding its, its way through. So Dave Lozano is running for governor for the state of California. Dave, tell me what your thoughts are. Uh, How are you going to fix
2: this? All right. Very good. Well, homelessness and the solution to homelessness, uh, first of all, homelessness can be solved. And so many people uh, say that it can't. But, of course, um, that's completely wrong. Homelessness, indeed, can be solved. And about three years ago, I came up with a solution And I uh, ran for Congress back in 2020 and introduced uh, that solution uh, at that time. And uh, and since that time, uh, I've been out there trying to obviously uh, introduce uh, my project called A New Hope. Uh, And the 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 foundation of this comes, of course, out of Finland Now, Finland, the country of Finland, has almost completely eliminated their entire homeless problem through their project called uh, Housing First. And it's a fabulous uh, program uh, that works for their country. But, of course, you must remember that Finland is a socialist country with a European mentality. Now, I say it that way because if you know anything about these countries, they have a, a much more disciplined kind of populace. And it just works for them. And if you understand the way their program works, is that they take their homeless, they provide them housing, and then with whatever deficiency that that particular uh, homeless person has, let's say they're an alcoholic, then the country provides uh, a regulated amount of alcohol to them with other medical care. Or if they're drug addicted, then they provide a a restricted amount of regulated uh, drugs to them and so forth and so on. Now, the United States saw what was going on with Finland and saw the reduction in their homelessness immediately and said, oh, wow, this is a great program. This is back in 2016 and said, wow, let's go ahead and, and copy this program and ordered HUD to go in there and copy it. And so, of course, uh, HUD did that and brought the program over. But they made a mistake. They copied the program identically, verbatim, and brought the program over and tried to implement it. No, 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 no. You can't do that. You can't take a socialist idea with a, men, a European mentality and try to implement it in the United States verbatim because we have a different way of thinking here in the United States. Our our way of doing things here is just different. Our Our style is different. The way of, of our living is different. Our so-called homeless people are just a little bit more crafty and a little bit less disciplined than those in a European style. So, for instance, our alcoholics uh, got, uh, with their street smarts, they got a a little bit uh, – they quickly learned that with all this free uh, handed out alcohol, they quickly kind of tucked it away, and then sold it. Same thing with the drugs. They t- they got the free drugs and started selling it. It doesn't work. And, of course, the, the our government saw that real quick and said, whoa, 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 you know, uh, this is a horrible program. It doesn't work. Get rid of it. This is all explained in this book called Answers Behind the Red Door. It's a beautiful book uh, uh, written by Michelle Steve and David Flanagan, uh, Battling the Homeless Epidemic. It's a fabulous, fabulous book, all explained, um, and uh, it's just a beautiful book that explains all of this. And it isn't that the program Housing First is is bad. It's just that it doesn't belong this way uh, in the United States. So what I did was I took the best parts of Housing First three years ago and uh, brought it over here to the United States and redid the entire program, uh, wrote, kind of rewrote it uh, for the United States, actually specifically for California my way. I put in 100 different uh, ways that would fit specifically for California and and kind of got it ready to be implemented under my direction. And so what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be uh, creating not one, but three major metropolitan residential cities, one in Northern California, one in Central California, right outside of the Antelope Valley, Palmdale area east of that, and one in the southern tip of California, where we're going to have an upper-class area, a middle-class area, and a moderate-class area. And in that moderate-class area, area we're going to be able to house over 50,000 homeless in each area, where we're going to be able to house and care for them in order to be able to uh, re-acclimate them back into society if they can be, if they can be. But we're going to be able to put them into different sections by first identifying what their needs are and then obviously having them graduate from one section to the next, um, having them first work in those areas. Now, nothing's free, by the way. They have to actually earn their way through, and then they work first in uh, these uh, major metropolitan areas before they graduate back into regular society. Now, we've talked
0: about this on our show many times about having uh, unemployment, folks that are sitting around collecting unemployment. Folks, just so you know, that's called welfare. Oh, no, Eric, I got laid off on my job. No, no, no. Welfare people, you're getting something for nothing. You need to get out and start picking up trash along the side of the freeway. Oh, I know, but I got laid. No, no, no. This isn't vacation. I can't tell you, Dave, how much this irritates me. You right. can probably get it. People sit around at home and they're just sitting there getting money for nothing. What is the difference between you and a prisoner? Food, shelter, clothing, you know, hot, three hots and a cot. So, so I'm going to push back a little bit on this idea until you said something like nothing is free. Nothing. They're going to have to work. Absolutely. To their abilities. Listen, if your ability is to uh, stamp license plates <clears throat> or your ability is to, uh, you know, pick up trash or clean public restrooms or, uh, or do construction, I think that's what we should be doing. Absolutely. It frees Absolutely. up the labor force. It
2: gives people a sense of pride. And by the way, I want to I throw this in as quickly as I can. Veterans first. Okay, the, uh, w- with my program, I want to emphasize the fact that Veterans First, and, and if I may, um, I was invited just this last past week uh, to the Veterans H- uh, Housing Center, um, uh, uh, what is it here, New Directions for Veterans, uh, which is right next to UCLA, and uh, I got a phone call just out of the clear blue sky. Uh, they had heard about my homeless program, A New Hope. And they wanted to invite me down for a tour of their project. And and uh, I went down there with my campaign team. And they uh, the director there and their team gave me this beautiful tour of their facility and what they're doing for the veterans, the homeless veterans. And I must tell you, it was spectacular. It was unbelievable. Not only do they have uh, 200 beds there for the homeless and what they're doing, they have a full medical team, but they also have... Uh, mental care for the homeless and a neurological team down there helping the homeless break their habits. Um, and it's state of the art. And it's just spectacular. And I'm going to be uh, promoting what they do. They get um, uh, part of their uh, uh, financial support from the Bob Hope uh, Foundation. And what they're doing is just unbelievable. And the People of California need to see what they're doing.
0: Well, I've seen across the country uh, the impact of an organization called the Dream Center. Mm -hmm. Uh, My wife and I got involved with them uh, maybe 15 years ago uh, as they took over a hospital. used to be a hospital. Uh, In fact, it was the hospital that my wife was born in and later became kind of abandoned from earthquake retrofitting. They couldn't keep up for the cost. And uh, a young kid uh, from Phoenix... Lived on the streets of L.A. To, as a pastor, uh, evangelizing and and like in the mission field, and one day came across this property. Fast forward, it's a full rehab. It helps people get back on their feet. It helps people get their GED or their high school diploma, even up to skills like plumbing and electrical, etc. There's uh, locked facilities for drug rehab to get you back on your feet. Uh, Anti gang uh, affiliations. I'm telling you, Dave, the Dream Center, folks, if you think your kids are well taken care of or they're okay financially and you want to leave money to someplace, the Dream Center is the place to go. And it sounds like this one uh, for UCLA is a, is another one for veterans. Uh, look at the Dream Center in Hollywood, right off the 101 freeway. Those kinds of places, it's private that is seen to make a difference. It's not the public entities that are really... Making a big difference. I don't know if you're in your there, there, image is look. The same.
2: There are spectacular organizations that are all spread out, and they're they're although they're doing incredible things, they're they're all independent. We have to w- pull them together and coordinate and work together as a team. And unfortunately, they're they're doing. A little bit of band aid work uh, uh, here and there, like for instance, there's there's another incredible organization that helps the homeless, sharing love with others, uh, headed by Maxine Seely out there on Skid Row in downtown Los Angeles. She's a beautiful woman, African American woman. She's out there on Saturdays on Seventh and San Pedro uh, every Saturday. This this wonderful woman, she and her son, she cooks the meals herself on Friday evenings. All night long she 's there cooking food at her home in Lennox of all places and when I where I used to patrol she 's in her home in Lennox, cooking all night long. She gets a um, a U haul that gets donated to her. She loads it up with these big giant steel pots and load her and her son load up the u haul a drive it out to Seventh and San Pedro every Saturday and she sets up these canopies and folding tables, puts the food out there, and during the week, she collects clothing. She sets it all up, and once a month, she sweeps the streets with volunteers uh, to pick up the streets and the trash and everything, and then every week, she dishes out the food, hands out clothing and the whole bit. And even though...
0: So where do you think, Dave, because here's the biggest issue that I have, is government is big enough. Mm -hmm. In fact, I think it's too big. Uh, Right, I agree. So how do we get a coordinated effort without adding another agency okay. and another bu- Beautiful you know, question. bureaucracy.
2: Beautiful question. Okay. The, the difference between my project and everyone else's is look at what I'm saying about A New Hope about this project. What, what you have to understand is is that when you drive through the streets, any street of California, now I used to say the streets of Los Angeles, but it's, it's really any street. When you drive through the streets and you see all these tents and people lying on the sidewalk, under bridges, anywhere, all these homeless people. And and your kids even tell you, Mom, Dad, you know, why are these people homeless? Why are they on the street? Why are they dirty like this? Why, why is this happening? Why don't uh, the police, you know, tell them to move and leave and the whole bit? Well, as you well know, the way the law is right now is that, you know, we, we can't for two reasons. One, if you, they can't tell them to move because if you – tell this homeless person to move all you're doing is you're pushing the problem onto the neighboring city so so you shush them out of one city but they're just going to you're just pushing the problem onto the neighboring city you can't do that and then uh, if you keep that homeless person in that city for instance Venice or Santa Monica uh, the city tells you well the government says the state says well you've got to provide housing for them well these cities are too small they don't they can't house the tens of thousands of homeless that are in their city that's not possible so what's the solution the solution is we must create from the ground up major uh, major metropolitan cities From the ground up, brand new to be able to focus and house these people and rehabilitate. So So that's what this project project does. Well, so so if
0: you go to Culver City, California, it's it's a lot of uh, the studios uh, outside of Santa Monica and West LA, pretty wealthy, nice neighborhood, Mm -hmm. no homeless people. Okay, one side of the street, literally, there's an underpass. One side of the street, nobody. The other side of the street is the city of Los Angeles, and you have tents. Three, four, five hundred tents, guys. If you're ever involved in Boy Scouts like I was, you get a chance to see how expensive these tents are everywhere. Take a look at Beverly Hills. Try to go pitch a tent in in Beverly Hills. See Mm -hmm. how quickly they chase you out. So it can be done. They can chase people out, they can get rid of them. All you're doing. Yes, you're pushing them to the next city, but eventually somebody's going to be forced to deal with it. I get uh, it.
2: I I would respectfully defer (laughs) and say to you that it's an illusion that that you're yes you may visually see them at the next city, but those those same homeless people are coming into Beverly Hills for the day and begging, holding signs, bothering pedestrians they you they're they're there. You're just not seeing them sleep there or pinch their, pitch their tent there. What we have to do is solve the entire problem for the state. We have to manage them. We have to basically get them not to be homeless in a bigger picture. And what I'm trying to say is, is that we have to lift them gently, lift them and their belongings gently away from all the cities. We have to manage them, collect them, get them under control, and and start to... Number one, care for them, rehabilitate them, put them in the proper place, and let's not forget the fact that you brought it up already, the mentally ill. Okay? And we're talking about the serious mentally ill. And let's be very frank about something. We're talking about the serious, serious, serious mentally ill. And what does that mean? It means rebuilding our mental institutions. I'm with you. Ronald Reagan uh, got sued by the ACLU when he was
0: governor. They tried to say it was him that opened up the... uh the floodgates, but the fact was the ACLU sued him, and he had no other choice right. back in the 60s. That's
2: a whole beautiful <laughs> conversation. I'd love to come back and talk to you about that. I know a lot about that. Yes, and I so- know. I know you do. So think about that. let's think about
0: this for a second. Okay, we're going to take a, a swath of desert in the middle of somewhere. We're going to uh, pipe uh, sewage, uh, f- uh, water, uh, the whole nine yards, electrical, everything. We're going to have a tent that says, oh, wait, we need law enforcement. Okay, so we need law enforcement now. Oh, wait! Now we need firefighters. We need a hospital. We need a paramedic system. Uh, well, maybe they want to receive or send mail. We need a post office. Oh, wait! Maybe they're they're going to want to go to the grocery store. So now we need stores, uh, pharmacy system, obviously for for various reasons. So
2: you are talking about an entirely new infrastructure. I'm talking three, three major metropolitan residential cities. Beautiful, fabulous, spectacular cities, upper class, middle class, moderate class, 50,000 in the moderate class. And the focus of these cities and residential is to keep an eye on the homeless. All of these major metropolitan cities are going to be self-sustaining. They're going to be operating just like any other major city, whether it be like Pasadena, like Torrance, like uh, 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 Santa Monica. They're all going to be self-sustaining with restaurants and universities and colleges and high schools and, They're also sustaining. But the difference is they're always going to be able to keep their eye on the homeless. Focus is the homeless. uh, 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 Always to be able to keep their eyes to regenerate them back into society if they can be. Now,
0: you're going to have people all throughout, for example, Salt Lake City. Uh, I was there recently. And the amount of uh, meth addicts walking uh, the street, heroin addicts, just more than I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. Beautiful city. Solid foundation, great historical pass, and this uh, dirty underbelly. It's no different than San Francisco, Los Angeles, uh, Chicago. It doesn't matter. Now, somebody says, no, thanks. I'm not going into that city. Okay. I, I, I like it here in Salt
2: Lake. I like it here in Santa Monica. The beach, is the weather's amazing. I'm taking it. I'm keeping it. Okay. Here's how this works. Um, and again, it takes about fourteen hours. I've de- I've made the presentation before to groups uh, to explain the project, A New Hope. It's a little difficult on these of <laughs> course, radio we shows, are, we have- but so wait, let me jump in and say this so that you don't get misled on the project. Um, the moderate uh, portion of the city that I'm describing. Um, if you 've ever been out to palm Springs they Ma- palm Springs uh, certain areas of Palm Springs has these gated communities yes. uh, behind walls they 're beautiful uh, they have these beautiful walls with foliage growing over them, these gated communities and then you enter these gated communities through this beautiful gate and then you enter and it 's all grass with homes, some have golf courses and things like that they 're large they 're massive that's what we're going to be building for the moderate section. All these divisions of gated communities. And what we're going to do is subdivide them. So for instance, we have homeless mothers uh, uh, with children, then that section is going to be homeless mothers with children. If we have single dads with children, single dad with children. If we have moderate um, alcoholics, then we're going to have moderate alcoholics. Uh, Some with lightly drug addicted, lightly drug addicted, and so forth, and so on, and so on, and so on. All subdivided. We're going to have Hundreds of these gated communities for the homeless, and a chance to graduate out of one exactly into the next exactly.
0: Well, it's an interesting uh, concept, folks. I want to give you Dave Lozano's contact information,
2: please, oh, Dave. It's going to be www. Um, I'm sorry, www.lozanoforcalifornia.com is my website, or you can simply put in lozanoforgovernor.com. Uh, 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 www.lozano for California.com or um, David Lozano um, Law. David Lozano Law.com. Um,
0: here's, here's what I want, David, because this is important. You guys, it's easy to misspell his name, so uh, <laughs> this is why I want to give it to you. It's L O Z A N O. Okay?
2: L O Z A N O. And the uh, email is David Lozano Law at gmail.com. David Lozano Law at gmail.com. So far, the only candidate that has a real
0: solution for homelessness I, I like that he has the idea uh you guys know that i i've supported other candidates in the past and i still do support anybody other than uh mr gavin Newsom. i think he's chasing good people out of california i'm one of them right i was born and raised here and and it's sad when you think about your families having to move and to relocate it's a scary time i think you got a good chance to to make a difference david thanks for being here david lozano Candidate for governor for the state of California. I'm Arav Halaby. 888-99-RETIRE-888-997-3847. That's Lozano for California.com. Thanks for being part of our show. See you next time. Learn about
1: financial power. The total financial power. Now Araf has a plan for me. Higher income strategy. I'll retire comfortably thanks to Araf Hallaby. Now every dollar's got a job to do. Arab makes your money work for you. Learn about financial power, the total.